Yes, indeed, the war goes on. Father God, you are with us. You are here, Lord God, to con- c- complete the work that you've begun in us and in the earth. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the divine promises and protections that you give us every day, that you said no weapon formed against you will prosper, that no words said, no deed done, no actions taken by our enemy will be able to defeat us, Lord God, because you are faithful to complete that work. I thank you, Lord, for giving us wisdom and counsel. I pray that you give us eyes today to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand, to uh, work our way through all of the deceptions and the devious uh, distractions Satan has set up in front of us, Lord God. You said in the last days, many would come saying this and that and deceiving many, if it were possible, even the very elect. So we pray that you would remove from our eyes any scales or blindnesses or rel- demonic filters that have caused us to become religious, hardened, and calloused, or that we would defeat the enemies um, that even so internally work against us that we don't even recognize them. Now give us your wisdom. I pray for counsel. I pray for the anointing. I pray, Lord God, that you would instruct us in these words as we study your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we were we've been talking about Gideon and this is uh, kind of like part two yeah and uh, the situation we're, in the book of judges there are seven cycles of people falling away from the Lord getting oppressed by their enemies um, and then they get desperate they cry out to the Lord God raises up deliverers mm-hmm. like they're basically uh, civil and military leaders called judges they bring deliverance to Israel and uh, they have peace for a while, and then they go back to the same old thing again. So God uh, has just called one of his military leaders, who didn't know he was even a leader, Gideon, out of the wine press where he was threshing, hiding uh, against the Midianites. And the Midianites, obviously, and several other nations had surrounded Israel and were stealing their grain and their harvest all the time. And so there was a great oppression and and famine in the land. So, yeah, and what what brought all this on was the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, Judges 6, 1. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian their for enemies. seven years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're impoverished, their uh, livestock, their crops are gone, uh, stolen. All, all the good things that God wanted for them were, were stolen to sustain them. Now, So God has persuaded Gideon at this point to... Uh, believe that he is the mighty man of valor and to go after, uh, you know, after Gideon did the fleeces and he checked it out. And if you're God and if this is really you, then do this, this and this. And so God performed and comforted Gideon in the doubt uh, so that Gideon was able to, with confidence, go forward and listen to the Lord. So in chapter seven, um, we begin with uh, he you know, were told about the encampment. The enemies had come. They surrounded the people. Um, he had... Uh, called in chapter 6 the end he had called with the trumpet he'd called his various tribes Gideon was of the tribe of Manasseh and he had gotten Asher and Zebulun and Naphtali uh, to also join them and so these guys were getting ready to go and so um, they'd gathered together um, and then uh, in verse chapter 7 verse 2 he gets all these people all these willing soldiers warriors together and God says and the Lord said to Gideon the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hand, into their hands. 
lest Israel claim glory for itself uh, against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. So God is saying, I need less people to work with. Well, we tend to think we need more people to work with. Right? Or we don't have enough. Or uh, we, we don't have yeah. enough, and uh, we want to do it ourselves, right? We want to. And we God was concerned about mass, them. Yeah, uh, uh, large troops. You'd think this would be a time where you'd need well, a lot of men. They probably think Gideon probably thinks, and the men think we don't have enough. But God says you've got too many. It's interesting. Psalm thirty-three, sixteen says, "No king is saved by the multitude of an army. Mm-hmm. A mighty man is not delivered." By much, by great strength. Mm-hmm. And, so, yeah, and we can't trust in chariots, and in princes, and in other nations. All those things that we so in the in the in the mindsets well, of the soul would look to. Well, God, God knows about pride in the heart of man. So right. He just says, "Well, you know, if we have a massive crowd, mm-hmm. we did it because we had this big army." Blah blah blah. We like to take credit for ourselves rather than giving glory. Well, to God. and it was interesting since you brought up the word pride. I'll tell you that the people that they're fighting are actually uh, the the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the the tribe, the Mount Sur people, the people from Mount Sur, and the Ammonites were characterized. Now, this is the one that they're up against uh, by cruelty, pride, callousness, and idolatry. We'll get back to that later. Moab was characterized by idolatry, wealth superstition, they were self-satisfied, it was a false comfort, and pride. So pride is a big, in the spirit world, pride was, these rep- these enemies represented pride, and both of these, Ammonite and Moabites, were of the descendants of Lot. Lot was the, the nephew of Abraham. Lot was the one who took the best choice of the land. Lot was the one who ended up in Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot was the one who fled there, and with his two daughters, and his two daughters uh, were impregnated by him through a drunken situation. And bo- both the Ammonites then and the Moabites were coming out of a, uh, a shameful situation. So there was pride that covered that shame. But anyway, back to the story. We'll get to that more a little bit later. So in verse 3, Now therefore the Lord says, Proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. So what we had a total of 32,000 people that showed up for the first in the first call and 22,000 dismissed themselves by the, the counsel of God. Well, the counsel of God is this. If you're fearful, you're disqualified for the battle. Right. And you'll bring that fear upon others. Yeah. And so they were just there was there was the crowd. There's there's a separation between the crowd and the consecrated ones here mm-hmm. uh, that we'll see as we go through this. Well, then it goes back to Deuteronomy 20, verse 8, where God says, Then the officers shall speak further to the people and say, What man is there who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return to his house, lest the heart of, the, of his brethren faint like his heart. So in other words, mm. he didn't want to spread this kind of fear, doubt, unbelief, murmuring, uh, faint-heartedness into the midst, mixed, uh, mix of the midst of the soldiers. He wanted them to be of one mind and one heart. So they had to have a tighter group of people. Um, then the Lord said, okay, to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water and I will test them there for you. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And whoever, and, and whoever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go with you. So he brought them down to the water, the people were told to drink. 
And the Lord said after that, he said, okay, now everyone who lapped water out of his hands, who cupped the water in his hands and lapped, kept his eyes open and looked up and was lapping the water that way, would be able to go with him. And the ones who bent down and drunk out of the water directly um, on his hands and knees could not go. So what he was kind of doing was sorting out those who were going to be alert and focused as when you're down on your knees drinking water, you're looking in the water, you're not seeing your enemy. You can come up from behind, he can kill you. But the ones who grabbed the water, put it in their hands, stayed alert and just lapped it from their hands in an upright position. Or they like were like a dog. Like a dog, yeah. They were the ones who were permitted to go. So what ended up was they had 300 men left who, um, the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hands. So they, they, these were the hardy, rugged guys. They were ready for battle. They were alert for the enemy. They're they're ready to go. They're not. It, yeah. They're not just um, self indulgent. Well, it's interesting here. I've got to make a couple of. I, I did some calculations, and that was basically a little less than one percent of the original that showed up. Is thirty two thousand that showed up, and um, twenty two thousand took went away. And of the other 10,000, 1%, 300, 300 out of the original um, were left that were able to, uh, God was going to use 1%. And I'm thinking of this too. It's like, we're, now we're looking at God and how God does a battle, how God does the war, how, what, what weapons God uses, what strategies God uses. And if you look at all the battles the Lord shows us about, he, you know, he uses everything from wind to bees to to turning the enemies against themselves, to songs, to trumpets. Uh, and in this place, he's going to use um, light and sound. But the the 1%, now, he did use trumpets, and he used pitchers that were concealing torches. And when they broke the pitchers, the torches immediately were revealed. So God was using this kind of, here was his elements that he used in this battle. There was trumpets. You, you're kind of jumping ahead here. Well, but, I can't. I, okay, but I want to. Okay, I'll go back okay. and make my point. All so, one percent right. of the of the of the people who are in control, they they have light, they have sound, they were able to fake out the masses of soldiers. That's the same today. We have one percent of the people who control light and sound, who control media, who control programming, who use light and sound to um, promote, propagandize, uh, persuade, indoctrinate the masses. And that's exactly the, the the reverse of that's true here. One percent of the good guys were using the same things, light and sound, uh, to to indoctrinate, to persuade the army that was encamped below them that they were uh, in danger. So I think this one percent thing. We we think so many times that the people in control, the ones who are speaking through the media, the TV, the CNN, the the news channels, whatever, that they are the. There's so many, 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 many of them. When in fact, as God shows us here, there was only one percent that were uh, faking out the masses. Well, yeah, we're, we're talking about false light. There you the go. Lies, mm-hmm. false light, the angels of light, those that came to be claimed to be bringing us the truth, indoctrinating us, putting us in fear, deceiving. You know, because fear. Right now, what's going on in our our nation is is fear, and and fear is fear has torment. Fear is, and power. fear is catchy. Mm-hmm. Fear Contagious. is catchy. Yep. It's just like you know the the whole sheeple mentality. Mm-hmm. If, if a flock of sheep, if one is afraid, they're all afraid. Um, if one runs down and, the cliff, they we'll all run see, down the cliff. 
Right. We'll see later where, you know, not only is fear contagious, courage is also contagious. Cool. We'll see that a little bit later. So the elements, so then uh, he says, here's what he wants you to do. Um, Verse 8. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands. And he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those who the three hundred men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. So um, they're they're on the ridge, they're on the high part. That's an advantage. That is at this point. Yeah. Sometimes mm-hmm. it is. Sometimes it isn't. God used the opposite it way. It was an advantage here. But in Deborah's in case, where they needed the mud to defeat the enemy, it was a disadvantage. So they had a they had to become they had to go into the valley and uh, draw the enemy into, be the bait, again, to draw the enemy into the valley. Just like in with Moses, the people of Israel were the bait that drew Pharaoh's army into the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. Whether you're in a low place or a high place, if you're there by appointment of God, there's he's, victory that he's can got come. It. Yeah. And it happened, so, and it happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise and go down against the camp, for I have delivered it to you. But if you are afraid... To go down to the camp with go take your uh, armor bearer Prua with you, your servant, and I will show you something. It's interesting if you go back to that verse. It says the men took the provisions in their hands, the provisions and the trumpets in their hands. Mm-hmm. In other words, they didn't have big backpacks; they just had what they could carry in their hands, moving light mm-hmm. in their hands, and so. Sometimes we think, you know, that's a, this is a test of faith, too. They're thinking, well, my, you know, if we're going to fight this battle, it might be a long thing. We might have to have all this uh, gear. We might have to have all our gear. And it mm-hmm. says, no, they just took it in That's like Jesus said, hands. too. It's like we when he think, said, when well, he said, we go don't just, have enough. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. We don't have enough. And he said, Jesus said, you know, when he sent out the 70, he says, just go. Yeah. And you're going to, you know, he's going to be provided. So sometimes don't we take think, an extra code, an into, extra this, that. Yeah. yeah we, we don't have, we, we don't have a lot of provision, mm-hmm. it seems, but we have enough. God will make sure we always have We've got the right enough. things. The right things. Right. Exactly. And, and sometimes less is more too, because these guys now, okay, so, but, but I, I think Gideon was still issue, had an issue with his own confidence and and being a mighty man of valor. So God was patient. He let him do the fleeces uh, backwards and forwards, dry and wet. We saw that last time. And now this time God is saying, I want you to go down and hear something. Uh, afterwards, when you hear what I'm going to show you, your hands will be strengthened. So he and his armor bearer went down to the camp of the enemy. They snuck in. So it's interesting. God brings confirmation. He, God had said, listen, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. You're going to defeat the Midianites as one man. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. And and you you're gonna have such a total you're gonna have a victory. So he encourages them, you know, like you said, through the uh the, the angel mm-hmm. uh that you know ignited the bread and the broth and uh, the, the angel of the Lord, mm-hmm. uh, the, that great sign, and then the fleece, and then here's another one. He's getting a confirmation from, from the God. words mm-hmm. of the two guys that were part of the enemy army. Okay, so these guys that had a dream now, now the Midianites and the Amalekites, all the the people of the Valley of the East, were lying in the valley, uh, as numerous as locusts. So there's they're way, way, super way, three hundred to locusts, outnumbered, and their camels were without number. So they had a lot of can- you'd call those in these days, I suppose you'd call them tanks, tanks or cannons, or artillery, whatever you know, machines. And Gideon came down, and the man was telling a dream. So Gideon kind of snuck up and was listening to this guy tell his dream to his companion. And he said, um, 
I've just had a dream. To my surprise, a, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of the Midianites, and it came to a tent into a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. Pause here for just a moment. Interesting how of all the places, if you got this huge camp, enemy camp, spread out all over, how does Gideon know where to go? You know, I mean, he could have gone to any number of tents, but God was guiding him. Mm-hmm. And he just, just said, well, let's go here. He brings one of his servants along. And, and they, they go check it out. But he gets to just the right place to hear so the, companion, the confirmation. The companion of the dreamer answered and said, so he's giving the interpretation, this is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel, for, for into his hand God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. Now the interesting thing is there was still an, uh, a, a re, um, kind of a leftover fear of God and of the Israelites because of what they the, the surrounding enemies had seen what God had done so many times for the Israelites and just defeated huge armies. They're really like coming up against God. And this is exactly what's going to happen in the Battle of Armageddon. All these people are going to come up against God. And and yet, because I think they're ignorant at this point, they don't have the fear of God. Like, But these guys, it was pretty fresh in their memory, all the stuff um, that God had done to defeat the the, the people of Jericho, the people of uh, the valleys, the, 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 all these people before, uh, the, there was, the giants. There was somehow there was a reputation of Israel. That had uh, gotten that, out. Yeah. That had got, even though it had been years and years where Israel was mm-hmm. turning away from the Lord. They were worshiping heathen gods. You know, it's interesting, too, that when God gave ch- the children of Israel the, the promised land, the land that he gave them, was, was a land full of, of giants, giants, full of evil. Yeah, giant, literal, literal giants. The king, King Og of Bashan, and and, and the other guy, forget his name. They were, um, they were literal giants. So he didn't give them anything easy. And when they went in to check it out, of course, there were giants in the land. The two spies came back, uh, Caleb and Joshua. And God does not always make it easy for us. It always, he wants it to look impossible to us, at least to him. It is nothing. We have to get this idea from God's perspective, not our own, because we're always, you know, God has got all kinds of resources. So what, so Gideon was encouraged and he said, um, he, the, the Lord has delivered the camp. He divided the, so he went back, he divided the 300 men into his, into three companies. So you have 100, 100, 100. There's 300 men. They're going to surround the enemy uh, on the ridge. They're going to go up on the ridge and they're going to, they're, they're moving. It's night, nighttime. So God is using a couple of his elements, the elements God use. God always uses his own elements, elements that are loyal to him. Like, like uh, the darkness, like the sound, light, um, mud, whatever it is he needs, he wants bees, like I said earlier. So the elements that God was going to have him use were trumpets, which makes sound, and light. The light was carried, the torches were carried in these pitchers, these vessels, these clay vessels. And so that, um, the, so he had light, he had sound, he had the darkness of the night. Um, and God also used the terrain. At this point, he used the height because he wanted to make the enemy be terrified and look around and look up in the dark of the night and uh, see all of these, thinking every torch, every trumpet was representing maybe two, three, four, five hundred or thousand men. Humanly, we don't think of this as a very good strategy. We wouldn't even have thought of this. And how mm-hmm. did how did Gideon know that this is how to do it? Because he listened to God. He was listening yeah. to God in Isaiah 55 
uh, 8 and 9, it says, well, it says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, Mm -hmm. nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. So for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So he's got... Yeah. We have... God is creative. (laughs) As God's people... Uh, as we're tuning into him and mm-hmm. hearing his voice. And trying to figure things out. We're not trying to figure things mm-hmm. out. We're here to, we're not here to figure things out. We're here to hear the yeah. word of the Lord. As and, crazy and, as and, that and, may and seem. And do what he says. Yeah. It seems insane mm-hmm. to the world. So he put a trumpet in every man's hand and empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. Then he said, look to me and do likewise. Watch and when I come to the edge of the camp... You shall do just as I do. When I blow the trumpet and I and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say the sword of the Lord and Gideon. So he's using the terrain. God used the darkness of the night to conceal the true number of the soldiers. Um, he used the element of surprise and alarm because they, they, they were to do this at the changing of the guard. So there was men, soldiers taking, moving out of their shift and others coming in to take their shift. So it was a time of, of vulnerability, um, alarm uh, to disarm the enemy. The sound of the many trumpets, 300 trumpets blowing simultaneously was also terrifying in the night, especially to sleeping people. Um, and when they broke the pitchers, the sudden uh, it w- to suddenly reveal the lights of three hundred men that surrounded them. This was all what God used to shout, and then the shout, the proclamation, the command to say, "This is the sword of the Lord and of Gideon." And I think all of these things are relevant um, to to what God would have us do. We have we have a sound, we have lights, we have yes, the, the, it's very dark out there, but when it's dark. It's the light is brighter. So your voice, your sound, um, and to declare, I think a lot of us, we, we use our mouths against ourselves, against others, and we don't use our mouths as weapons to declare. He says, declare the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So this was their act of faith. This was their rally cry. This was their shout of victory. This was how they were revved up with this shout, the sword. And so this got their adrenaline going, got their faith going, got this, the action turning in their favor. And they were following Gideon's example. And so he says, uh, uh, verse uh, 17, he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. Watch, and when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. He says, no, Don't do as I say, do as I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, Paul told Timothy, uh, Be an example of the believers in, in your whole way of life. Be an example. And Paul says uh, in First Corinthians 11, 1, be followers of me as I am of Christ, or imitate me as I uh, imitate Christ. So there's a there's a principle here of leadership. Look at me. Well, do, that's what do, the military does. Do they keep as rank. I do. They they right. keep. They're taught to keep rank to to not fail, fall out of rank, not to go a wall, just to to believe and go forward. So God has called us to be examples. And worthy of uh, of following. That's that's a key of mm-hmm. uh, leadership. A leader is to be uh, a Christian leader is to be a godly example that we can follow. So, verse twenty one. And every man stood in his place all around the camp, and the whole army ran and cried out and fled. So they didn't. They just stood, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Uh, and when the three hundred men blew the trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp, and the army fled. 
Uh, so they, so the the guys down down in the valley got so scared they started to kill one another because they were, um, you know, there were three different groups, and so they were probably thinking that they had just been betrayed by one. Anyway, the terror of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the confusion of God, um, and the men of Israel gathered together and began to chase them. Um, so I just want to call our attention back to Deborah for a minute. Uh, in that battle, God used, like we said, mud to bog down the chariot wheels, and then the children of Israel began to chase them. Here we have the men of uh, in the valley being chased again by the children of Israel. In Jehoshaphat's battle, which is recorded in Second Chronicles 20, verse 10 through 20, um, we see that God used praise and singing, and then God himself sent ambushments against the the the, the, um, the enemy uh, to uh, again and then they killed themselves off again so um, you know singing praise what does that have to do God said to Jehoshaphat you won't have to fight in this battle stand still and see the salvation of the Lord and Gideon saying the same thing stand still hold your ground don't panic don't break rank don't don't move with these lights. Just stay in the same spot so they don't really know what it is. Because I think another thing that was freaking out the, the soldiers in the valley was that there was no panic in their enemy. There was no running and charging. See, if, if Gideon's guys would have charged the enemy and fell into their swords, and they would have died. But they stood their ground and they didn't charge. They just, and that was freaking out the enemy because you're supposed to charge and we're supposed to get in, engaged in a battle here. And they didn't. They weren't afraid. Yeah, it's like in, in verse 21 of Judges chapter 7, and every man stood in his place all around the camp. And the whole army ran and cried and fled. So, you know, there's a place that God has for us in the body of Christ. And when we stay in our place. Mm-hmm. Stand uh, our ground. Stand our ground. Well, um, then the enemy is defeated. Standing our ground in the Lord. So that's why we see God was so strict in who he selected to go with Gideon. It had to be the right man. It couldn't be the freakouts. It couldn't be the ones who broke rank or ran or panicked. And so he had the, the right 300 guys. They had proved themselves to be the ones that he wanted that were going to do, because this was critical. They could not rush down into the enemy's camp. That was that was what you're, you're, you know, in your mind, you think, well, that's what we should be doing. But no, God says, don't, don't move. And so they were able to defeat their enemies. Um, and then they chased them, of course, and um, they came against the Midianites and they seized them. And uh, and actually they captured the princes of the Midianites, Orb and Zeb, the two captains. They killed one of them at the Rock of Orb and the other they killed at the winepress of Zeb. And they pursued the Midianites through and brought the heads of Orb and Zeb to Gideon. So he had others join him once he got... The, the once they were on the run, he called. For, he used the trumpet again. He called for Ephraim to gather together and seize the watering places where these guys were going to end up. These guys on foot were going to end up in the watering places to get some water. And Ephraim, they says, he says, okay, when they come there, catch them, kill them, and that's exactly what they did. Now, mm-hmm. now one more thing, I've got to go back to look at the enemy here a little bit more. the uh, The history of Moab, the Ammonites, uh, and Moab, and the um, the Mount Sur people, both Moab and Ammon were cousins. They had the same grandfather. They had Lot as their grandfather. Now, remember, Lot was was driven out of Sodom. He lost his wife. She turned into a pillar of salt. And according to the Bible, the Ammonites were characterized. These are Lot's descendants carrying the generational curses of Lot. Um, 
pride. They were, they were full of pride and, and they were callous. They were hard hearted. They were mean. They were cruel and they were full of idolatry. The Moabites, um, their cousins were similar. They also practiced idolatry. However, they were wealthy, but they were superstitious and they were satisfied that the men of Sodom were quite satisfied with themselves. Um, there was a false comfort, complacency, and also pride. It's interesting that pride covers shame. Sodom, the roots of these two, the, the generational roots of, the, of, of uh, Moab and um, Ammon were pride, were sodomy, were homosexuality, were, were incestuous. There was an incestuous corruption uh, at their conception because these two, their mothers uh, were incested by their father. And so I believe that a lot of times when there is a sh- when there's shame, shame, you're feeling ashamed at how you, there's no, it's not, you know, honorable. Um, the pride comes to cover the shame to make you look like you're fine. It, it makes you feel fine, arrogant, confident, boastful, uh, hard-hearted. And so both had this incestuous con- cor- uh, conception and, and the strife actually between Lot and Abraham was showing up here again because they turned and um, began to kill themselves. Uh, so that um, they were, uh, you know, God was again vindicating Abraham um, in he being a friend of God and preserving the, the truth, the worship of God as opposed to idolatry that Lot picked up. And Lot was, you know, Lot and Abraham parted company over cattle, over wells, over water, over wealth, over good land. And so we see the materialism. And go and by the way, and the the people from Mount Sur were cave dwellers. They dwelt like cavemen, and so you have a kind of an interesting combination of cavemen and idolaters uh, that God is defeating through the righteous obedience of Gideon. You mentioned Sodom, and a lot of times we think of the Sodom Sodomites, uh, as, you know, the homosexuality and all that sort of thing. But I think it's Ezekiel that talks about the sin of Sodom was pride. Mm-hmm fullness of, of bread, bread and they did not help the poor and the needy wow so there was pride wealth and callous of course they're not helping callous, real compassion callousness yeah and that and then that was mixed up with the whole homosexuality militant Cal- Cal- militant yeah. Yeah. homosexuality in the case of uh, attacking the uh, angels Mm-hmm. of the Lord and wanting to have sex with angels at, at Lot's house. Yes, see, yes. so see, you see the, the, the thread of wickedness and idolatry, which continues to this very day. The same thread or threads or strands of wickedness, idolatry, disobedience against God, uh, arrogance, uh, rejection, rejecting God's laws and covenants and commandments. That same thing is still here with us because Satan has not died. He has not retired. The devil has not gone away. He's not given up, and he won't give up until God pulls him up, plucks him up, and casts him into the lake of fire. So as we can see, this kind of parallels, and we can be encouraged in how God worked with Deborah, he worked with Gideon, uh, different elements. Don't be, don't be uh, putting God in a box. God can do what God wants to do, and I really believe that there have been some pretty powerful prophecies coming forth that have said that God is going to harvest. He's going to pour out his spirit. He's going to, in the last days, Joel says that upon his, I mean, God has got a lot of uh, prophetic words. He yet has to fulfill to be God because they're in his word. And he, 
he keeps his word. So there's a lot of uh, things that yet are going to be shocking and awesome and wonderful and powerful and beautiful and encouraging and bringing us back to the, the adoration, adoration and edification to know that our God is fighting for us. And so do not be discouraged or grow weary like Gideon. Don't think less of yourself. Just be available. Gideon thought he was nothing. He was the least of his family, but he also was willing to put all that, you know, aside, that mindset, that belief system. I'm no good. I'll never make it. You know, who am I? The least of my father's house, blah, blah, blah. And just go with what God said. It's time to leave the past behind. And I mean, yes, you have to repent and confess and understand, but your idea of who you are, your concept of who you are is nothing. If it's not correct, if it's not correct according to how God sees you, then get rid of it because it's just in your way. It's just the propaganda, the lies, the indoctrination of many years, of many decades of demonic programming um, through the media, through television, through the circumstances, through society, through the, the ways of life that we have learned. Put it aside, go back into the Word of God and see just how great God is. And there will be a breakthrough in your life, just like there was a breakthrough in Gideon's life. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.10, uh, For we are his workmanship, mm-hmm. created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We've been chosen in Christ since before the foundation of the world. The prophet Jeremiah, God told him, that and before you were conceived in your womb, I, I knew you and I called you to be a prophet to the nations. And so those listening here today, you are called by God. You are called by God. Amen. You are called by God to greatness, not in the sense of where you're going to be proud and you're going to look down on others, mm-hmm. but you are called. Confident. You are a especially uh, chosen. You've been brought to the kingdom for such a time mm-hmm. as this. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. God is, as you listen to the Lord and, and he gives you encouragement, um, you are going to be working in, in powerful way. God is going to work through you in powerful ways, unusual yep. ways, unusual. unusual ways. This was, um, God's ways are, are higher than our ways. They, they're unusual to the mind of men, but they're mm-hmm. so powerfully effective. What is impossible with man is possible with God. God is the God of the impossible. Um, And he said um, in Psalm 23, 22, for he, God, has not despised or hated or the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard him. So many times when we're afflicted, we cry out to God. We think we're nothing. We think God's not there. But God is hearing our cries and he hears our heart and he doesn't believe the lies that we believe about ourselves. You know, we're feeling the affliction, we're going through it, we're feeling overwhelmed and, and terrified. But God hears our cries and he He not only hears our cries, but he raises us up. And the verse 30 and 31, he, he, he will, a posterity will serve him, a generation to come. And it will be recounted to the Lord, to the next generation, that they will come and declare his righteousness to the people who will yet be born, that he has done this. So God is is creating a legacy. God is creating a, a history of faithfulness and rescue and deliverance and healing. And you can be part of that. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for the revelation of your your own character, your own your own righteousness, your own purity, your own wisdom, your own intelligence, your own deliverances, Lord God, that none of us can orchestrate, but you can. So, Lord, there's nothing 
that can come up against you and win nothing at all. I don't care how much, Lord, there is nothing that will prevail against the Most High. And in the time, in that appointed time, when you come, when you return, Lord, all things will be brought to the place, put in the place, judged, uh, corrected, uh, and, and reestablished according to your, your plan, your righteousness, your goodness, and the enemy will be defeated. And we give you praise for that right now. May each heart be encouraged today that you will lift them up out of that place of the well, the wine press where they're hiding out. Lift them up into a place of the revelation of your love, your peace, your truth, your power, and your goodness. And then we thank you, Lord God, that, that there are so many that are oppressed by the enemy as Israel was oppressed by their enemies. And Lord, I pray that you would work through each one that is listening here today, to be uh, uh, used by you, that you will work through them, set them free, show them who they are in you, and use them, Lord, to break the powers of oppression Mm -hmm. in others through Jesus Christ, through the means of the Spirit of God, and through the Word of God. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Rescue Radio. Because there's a war for your soul.